Welcome to Israel War Briefing, a podcast from the Jewish Chronicle offering deep insight into the crisis in the Jewish state as it continues to unfold. I'm Jake Wallace-Simons, editor of the Jewish Chronicle and author of Israelophobia, the newest version of the oldest hatred and what to do about it. In each episode, I'll be asking an expert commentator for their analysis of the latest developments and reflections on what comes next. So it's Friday the 1st of December, the 55th day of the war with Israeli troops back in action after the ceasefire. But we're going to be talking more about Britain today. And I'm joined by Alison Pearson, the best-selling author and award-winning columnist for the Daily Telegraph, who sold a lot of books in Israel, yes. uh, as I've as I've learned. Right, yes. And uh, and has spoken out in support of British Jews, both, both in print and on the streets at marches uh, in recent weeks. Uh, and is one of the signatories of the October Declaration in support of the British Jewish community. So, Alison, thank you for your support and thank you for joining us this afternoon. It's my pleasure, Jake. What a what a what a time we've been living through, haven't we? And I think that um, several of us felt very helpless. I think it was about. I was trying to think back. I think it was about a week and a half after October the seventh, and uh, Laura Dodsworth who is a friend, but also a very, very brilliant writer and campaigner. And, and Laura WhatsApp me and she said, I'm feeling so helpless about all this. What can we do? And then she said, if I set up British Friends of Israel and we ha- have a declaration, uh, will you help me get it off the ground? So I said, absolutely. And very quickly, if, a, a very small group of us, Jake, actually, uh, Toby Young, Francis Hall, the barrister, Emma Webb, broadcaster, uh, Ian Rons, the tech guy. We didn't really realise. I mean, I'd never set up anything like this before. You really need your tech guy. And then uh, Jan McFarish came on board to do all the sort of the leaflets and the banners and the posters. But we very quickly um, got a small group together and started canvassing support from as many big names as we could. And um, Laura drafted the October Declaration, which we all added bits. And the October Declaration is very simple. People can read it online. It basically says we uh, stand in in support with British Jews. We stand unequivocally against anti-Semitism in Britain and wherever else is. And we also supported Israel in any necessary action to defend herself. And we also called on the media to call Hamas a terrorist organization because they are a terrorist organization. So that was the that was the beginning of it. And um, there was, I mean, we were just talking earlier before we uh, began to record about how I think for the Jewish community and for people who who get it, such as yourself, um, every day is October the eighth. But it feels like for much of the country every day remains October the 6th, mm. don't you think? Yes, I think, well, look, how much is that? There's an element to foreign wars anyway, isn't there? I mean, I've worked in newspapers for a long time and uh, years and years ago, I used to be a very junior and I was responsible for the, for the first column on the front page of the Financial Times. And there was a rough rule of thumb, which was basically Britain loses tennis ball in Ecuador would always come higher than thousands killed in Somalia. I'm, you know, I'm not being that cynical, Jake, but it, it, you know, to a certain extent, there's an element of foreign wars taking place a long way away, isn't there? Um, But I think what Laura Dodsworth and I felt was the speed with which 
Israel, um, how long is Israel allowed to be a victim for? Maybe three and a half days, I reckon. Um, and then it swings back, doesn't it? Then then Israel has to take her natural place as the aggressor. Um, and that's what shocked me a lot as a journalist. And that's why I've been writing The Telegraph. I know you've been writing fantastic pieces in The Telegraph. I think The Telegraph has been um, the home of the pro-Israel resistance, if you like. Um, are people aware of it? Yes. I, I don't know. I went to interview the Israeli ambassador, Zippy, which I enjoyed very much. And, and she was saying to me, what can we do to make people feel the horror of this? And I think to anyone who's fully uh, dived into um, what happened on the 7th of October, you, you can't have any other conclusion. Well, if you're Owen Jones, that's another matter. You, you know, some very, very odd people could have another conclusion. But anyone who's actually watched any of the footage or absorbed any of the stories will know that something, some huge turning point in civilization happened on that day. And one of the signatories we managed to recruit for the October Declaration, in fact, who helped to tweak the October Declaration was Sir Tom Stoppard. And Tom wrote us a very brilliant bit, which is where he said, um, Hamas knew what the consequences would, would be for the, for the Gazans. And Hamas reckoned it not. That's it, isn't it? That's that to me. That's a key sentence. They knew they would bring this down on the heads of innocent people, and they didn't care. Um, and he also said that this is not just a, a territorial matter or a squabble between neighbours. This is civilization against barbarism. Well, so, I mean, yes, I mean that's a, that's an excellent point, and it's one that I've thought about a lot. How you know Israel is a natural ally of Britain. It's yeah. the only democracy in the Middle East. It shares our values, fundamental values of liberalism and democracy and tolerance and the rights of minorities and women and the rule of law. And of course, it is far from perfect. Let's let's say that openly, as every country mm. far from perfect. Uh, in fact, um, there's that famous quote from Zev Jabotinsky where he says that as one of the first rights uh, of equality, we demand the right to have our own villains as everybody else has them. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's a country. It's a country with lights and shades. Um, and yet it feels like when seen from a British perspective, many people see it as an enemy, uh, see it, uh, see the, the Palestinians who do not have any kind of functioning democracy, certainly in Gaza, um, as, as the natural allies and see the bastion of democracy in the Middle East as the enemy. What, what do you think is going on with that? I would think the vast majority of people don't have a strong view. I think they probably, um, they they get their information from the news, um, which we know is very skewed, I would say, in its coverage. Now, Jake, remember that the our foreign office has been very Arabist. I went out many years ago with a guy who was learning Arabic to be in the foreign office and it's been very pro-Arab for a long time. So just think about that. And when um, David Cameron took over recently, very recently at the, as foreign secretary, he almost immediately made a, made a statement about, you know, those poor Palestinians. And I thought, we know the, the, the foreign office wallers have got him under their thumb, haven't they? So I don't think the vast majority of people, I think they would have sympathy, certainly after the after the 7th of October massacres. But I think that um, the media, for whatever reason, it, look, it's generally left-leaning, isn't it? So we can trace a line from, you know, 
the, the things the media is against. And because the BBC and, and other parts of the media are left-leaning and for whatever reason, you know, anti-Israel, pro-Palestine views, that's part of the fashionable rucksack of, 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 of left-wing views, isn't it? Mm. Um, and we've seen that as well, I think, in the uh, coverage of the marches. Um, which I think many people realise very early on that this pro-Palestine um, marches every Saturday in London um, were, were a bigger issue than just freedom of speech, you know, that there were hateful, hateful things were going on. But there's tremendous nervousness um, because we have several million Muslims now in our country and there's the priority of the police, and I would say argue of the government, is to... Um, but uh, watch out for stirring up community tension and by community they don't mean the rest of us they mean the Muslim community that's what they mean so there's tremendous apprehension and nervousness about that kicking off um, and I'm sure you're the same as me I mean I'm a writer so I'm extremely sensitive to the use of language and um, even the other day uh, a few days ago on the Today programme when there was part of the hostage exchange um, on Radio 4, I think it was Nick Robinson used the word detainees for mm. hostages. Mm. And I, as usual, nearly threw the radio across the room. I mean, they're not detainees, are they? A detainee is someone, I mean, technically they're detained, but a detainee I would think of as someone who is being held on a charge or because there's been some problem. Uh, not innocent people have been dragged from their homes and imprisoned in uh, in tunnels and under Gaza. So sorry, that's a rather rambling answer. I think that that there is an indifference, but I think that also there's a there's a tipping point. If we look at Ukraine, there was a lot of upsurge of sympathy for Ukraine. That's that's disappeared, hasn't it now? From the from the from the news. Also, I would say that the present in, inevitably because of Israel's military might, there's a sense of this incredibly powerful country and then the the news the news pictures are you know of palestinians in much humbler circumstances i'm not saying that's correct but um and i would also say that uh as evil as hamas are they are bloody good at propaganda i mean i, I don't know who's doing their press but it's a genius it's a genius because yeah, the yes. way they you know um you know, let let's let's put lots of uh, premature babies in their incubators and take them out and put them. Oh, I mean that they've got the they've got the fuel, Jake. We know they've got hundreds of thousands of liters of fuel under Gaza, but you know they know exactly how to tug the heartstrings of people at home, don't they? I'm not saying there haven't been, you know, terrible losses uh on the palestinian side they clearly have but i the way that the um the numbers of the so-called gazan health ministry are taken as read and then every statement from israel is you know triple checked there's so there's a tremendous imbalance in that and i think that's to do with israel's might uh, not just military might intellectual might um and a friend of mine who's jewish said to me the other day she'd been at some coffee morning and and uh one of the women around the table had said, oh, the Jews, they all always do very well for themselves, don't they? So so there's a bit of that. Bit of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it seems to me that um, Hamas has, has few weapons, really. It has the tunnels, it has the rockets, and it has its own civilians. 
which is places in harm's way, you know, not a single bomb shelter, and yet, you know, hundreds of miles of of tunnels. Yeah. Yeah. But we had the march, the the march last week in particular, didn't we? The big, very big march against anti-Semitism. And I believe you you were there. Uh, And there was a special October Declaration banner, wasn't there, that was created specially. Yes, um, it was. Uh, yeah. And uh, and there, that was a remarkable moment because, you know, it wasn't just Jews there. There were lots of non-Jews there from all different communities and faiths, including some Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were uh, lots of Iranians. There were Hindus. There was Buddhists. There were people from all over the country as well in different walks of life. Um, and I just wonder, you know, as somebody... Uh, who's not Jewish, who's who's, but who's felt it keenly and has spoken up loudly for us. What is it in you that makes you feel it in the way that you do? And what do you think other, the the other non-Jewish? I don't want to use the word allies because it's a bit fashionable, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, that that makes non-Jews feel it and stand up for what's right. We are a philo semite family. Uh, my husband works for the New Yorker magazine, which is. Uh, largely staffed by uh, um, the best Jews on the planet, you could argue, Uh, certainly some of the cleverest and funniest. So we are told by friends that we are honorary Jews and um, have great Jewish friends in London. But my best friend lives in Scarsdale outside New York, which is the, you know, strong Jewish suburb. And I think um, when I saw the, the pictures of the young people at the Nova Peace Festival basically fleeing across the desert, being pursued, they look entirely to me like Sharon's children, Samantha, Jacob and Josh. So I could see my friend's children in those ditches, hiding in those bomb shelters. So there was immediate um, intense sense of empathy and she was in a great state sharing you know, with me all the all the stories from people. Um, I've been to Israel, my uh, my uh, novel, I don't know how she does it, was translated into Hebrew, a proud moment. And I had a wonderful uh, book tour there, um, met some very, very formidable women. And I will never forget, Jake, it was a great sort of, um, great sort of British Israel moment was because I was talking to a journalist about, uh, and we were sort of sharing notes about our daughters who were of a similar age. And I said to, to her, what my daughter was doing and how worried I was. And I said, hey, what's your daughter doing? And she said, she's training to be a fighter pilot. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, okay. <laughs> so, so my daughter struggling with her musical theatre career might not be, you know, so, so that was lent a valuable perspective. And I was also thinking back to my children's best friends when they were little, when we lived in North London were Jewish. And uh, they were absolute sort of soul buddies, really, when they were tiny. And when my son was about 10, he came home from school one day, and I think they must have done the Second World War and the Nazis. And Tom said to me, would the Nazis have killed Izzy and Maddie, who were his friends? And I said, yeah, yes, they would. And then he said, but we would have hidden them, mummy. And I said, I like to think we would have hidden them. But you never know, darling, because, you know, that would have taken a sort of bravery um, and self-sacrifice that we we never know, Jake, do we? We never know what we were capable of. So I think I felt we don't know if we would hide people in those circumstances. We hope we would have the moral courage to do that. But certainly in this period, I feel as an individual and as part of our group, British Friends of Israel, the very least we can do is not be silent the very least we can do is say, you know, 
this is not this is not acceptable to, that any group of our citizens are scared to go into their own capital city that's you know that that's that's ringing a lot of alarm bells and we should stand up and and in fact we've had I mean, I think well over 80,000 signatories now to the October Declaration, and it would be far more, but um, we've been very, very fastidious about checking. And I was going to, I was thinking about saying it to you earlier, and I thought I was going to use the term, they have to be kosher, which they really do, uh, because we didn't want anyone to say, oh, Mickey Mouse has signed it. Yes, yes. It's yes. very So each one of our signatories, and there's lots pending, is absolutely, and we've got um, historians, uh, senior lawyers, lots of lords and ladies and baronets and lots of military, which is nice. I mm. wrote about it in the Telegraph and lots of generals and brigadiers and rear admirals signed. And I was very, very pleased uh, to see to see that there. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, there, I feel there's a, there's a very strong personal element because of friendship. Um, and I also, years ago, I wrote about this in my column. I did a Jewish Book Week event and there was a woman there uh, who said something I'll never forget. We were talking about motherhood and she said in her community, in her Orthodox community, it was considered bad luck to have twins. And I said, why? And she said, because when they come for you, it's very hard to pick both up and run. I thought that's not something that ever that's not in my head or in the head of any non-Jew but the fact that that was in her head that twins would be bad luck because it would be hard to run with them so that's never left me either really so I can't imagine not empathizing with it but it's you're right. Right. It mm. resonates with those pictures of baby Kfir and his brother and his mother oh, I know. In, the, in the duvet and uh and being taken into Gaza and of course they were killed yes they, um, on the October declaration, and it's a, it's a lot of signatures, 80,000 signatures, and as you've described, it's really the backbone of Britain that signed it. Um, yeah. Not not as many from the left as we would have liked. Well, let, I mean, let's talk about that. I was going to talk about the impact of the October declaration, but let, before we do that, let's talk about the left, because that's something that's been really bothering me over the past few weeks. Um, at one point at the Jewish Chronicle, we tried to run... A, um, a feature on powerful voices outside of politics in the media mainly who had spoken up for Jews in Israel and I couldn't run it because they all worked for the Telegraph or the Spectator and a few for the Mail and, and the Mail none of them worked for the left-wing press at all there wasn't a single one that I could think of off the top of my head now there have been some people on the left who've been friends uh, Sonia Soda and and others, I'm not wanting to discount them, but in terms of the the really iconic, you know, really power, most powerful voices, they've all been on the right. And I just feel like I, I'm not myself inclined to be on the left anyway, but if I was, I would feel so homeless. <clears throat> and I know that a lot of Jews do feel like that, and not just Jews, but also non-Jews. I mean, I got a, a text from an old friend from university just the other day, I haven't spoken to in more than 15, 20 years, who said, Dear Jake, I'm sorry I defriended you on Facebook. When you went to work for the Daily Mail, I thought you'd gone off the rails. I'm eating my words now. And mm. she feels really politically homeless. Mm. What, what's going on with, with, with the left in, in Britain? Why, why have they lost this moral compass? It's, it, well, it's odd, isn't it? Because I would have said with Jewish friends in, in London that they would naturally have been of the left. And I think their parents would naturally have been of the left. 
and then it's 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 changed hasn't it it's 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 moved over over to the right um why has that happened because i guess um there are uh, a lot of labor constituencies now which depend on muslim votes um we actually had that very disturbing thing the other day in Bethnal Green and Bow, where um, their obviously very good MP, Cambridge educated uh, Muslim woman, uh, had refused to um, vote with for the ceasefire in, in Parliament. And then there was a sort of baying mob uh, outside her, her office. So there's an awful lot going on, Jake, isn't there? I think a lot of... Um, why is Jess Phillips uh, voted? The, why is she? Why is she moved out, out of the front rank? Uh, if you, I I haven't checked, but I could guarantee you her constituency would have a high proportion of Muslim voters. So we've seen the Muslim vote, block vote, becoming the, a very important factor um, for Labour. I think uh, Sir Keir Starmer has been admirable. Mm. I. Think it would have been very easy for him to capitulate i admire him because he's under a lot he must be under a lot of pressure um and i think he's great but in in the media i don't know i mean there are lots of jews obviously giles corran's written about it hadley freeman's written about it brilliantly in the sunday times and i guess if she was if hadley freeman was still at the guardian would she be at liberty to write those pieces well you know, jonathan friedland is 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 writing at the Guardian, but, there, but and there are some, aren't there? But there, there, there aren't very many sensible voices, and there aren't many non-Jews. And I mean, non-Jews. there are, there are obviously there are at, uh, where are where I am at the Telegraph. You, yeah. you know, I mean, I think I mean it's also it's, it's quite depressing as well, isn't it? Because there's no there's nothing about being Muslim that means that you've got to support Hamas. You know, and, and in Israel, there's lots of Muslims who are loyal to Israel, who are fighting for Israel, who've stood up for Israel against Hamas, they're still equally as Muslim as the Muslims who come out and call for genocide on the streets of London. There's so much radicalism here. And again, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not even the majority necessarily of the Muslim population that comes out calling for genocide like that. But it does seem to be a very powerful trend in in our country. I think it's rather like in... um... In Gaza, I mean, we have had, um, you know, not that long ago, there was a big protest, I understand, in Gaza against Hamas. And of course, they just, you know, it's a mafia, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a mafia organisation and people live in fear of it. So we'll never really know how many Gazans would support Hamas because they're just terrifying. And mm. I suspect there's a lot in Britain as well that you do have moderate Muslims who just want to quietly get on with their lives and let their children thrive here. But the, uh, the community, capital C, is very belligerent and I don't think that there's you very rarely hear Muslim voices particularly after terrorist attacks or anything like that you very rarely hear individuals speak out so I think there's a kind of enforced unanimity to to some extent in that community but the BBC ITV you know there is just tremendous bias and of course we saw that didn't we with the um with the, I was watching Newsnight live when that bombing of the Al-Aliya hospital happened and the speed with which, as a journalist, I found it very shocking. Uh, he basically said, pictures do not lie. <laughs> well, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get past day one of journalism training with pictures do not lie, would you? Um, <laughs> quite incredible thing to say. And then uh, announcing the 500 dead, which, 
this was within about 40 minutes of when it had happened. It was a satisfyingly round number. Who'd gone and tallied those? I mean, it was it, it was shockingly bad. Apart from anything else, apart from the bias, it was just really, really poor journalism. Um, it's just it's just that these institutions are colonized by fashionable leftists and the fashionable left. Uh, it's not the done thing to be to be pro-Israel, is it, for all for all the... I mean, how you would you know more than me how much that is actual anti-Semitism and how much it's just pro-victim. I mean, it's just ridiculous, you know, pro-Brown people, but not that you could tell many Israelis apart from many Gazans, could you? It's it's just ridiculous. So, um, but that's, you know, it's, it's, part, it's part and parcel of that. And I'm not the first to point out that many of these uh, journalists, uh, some of them gay, some of them women, you know, I, I do, I do kind of think we should uh, exchange not a hostage swap, Jake, but a, a journalism swap. So let's have them go for a week in um, in the, in the company of Hamas to see how they get along, because the absolute cretinous inability to see that all the things they complain about here, like misogyny and homophobia. I mean, they are, they're, they're the world champs of misogyny and homophobia, aren't they? So it's just bizarre the the, the moral and mental disconnect. What do they think those people are? You know, I mean, how, how much more would they have to do to show how unfit they are for any, for anybody to support them? Um, yes. But they seem to, you know they and and of course, I mean your readers will have seen this week with Owen Jones getting into all sorts of trouble on on Twitter with uh, um, a friend of mine went to the screening of the um, the body cam horrifying body cam footage. She said she could barely speak for two days, and he was Owen Jones was sitting. Stephen Fry was behind her, and Owen Jones was in front of her. And then he comes out and he says, "Oh yes, it's absolutely dreadful, but we didn't actually see the gang rapes or anything." And, and and this is the left, which tells you to believe any woman who says she's been sexually assaulted, literally any woman, but not a Jewish one. No. Exactly. And not only that, but they also believe all the, you know, the Hamas figures and all of the accounts from Hamas. You know, they don't say, oh, you know, show me your dead babies in Palestine. I don't believe that they're actually killed. Mm. They don't say, you know, show me that, you know, but when it comes to the Israelis, there's this presumption of guilt presumption of lies as the, the you know the, the the jews must be lying yeah exactly and and i'm so sad i don't know i'm sure you're the same i'm so steeped in cynicism now i mean there was a there was a surgeon on channel 4 news the other night reporting about gaza and my husband was there and i said he's lying and my husband said asn he's a surgeon i said sorry he's just lying you know how many child amputations he'd done i thought we just don't know what influence they're under, do we? Well, I, really? I believe that that surgeon actually. The the if you're talking about the same person that I'm thinking about uh, today, the Jewish Chronicle exposed the fact that we had found a video of him weeping and eulogising a terror leader uh, in, in the most vivid terms. So, yeah. that so was I'll, share, I'll share I'll share that with my husband. But I I, I, I tell you what this has done to me because I, I I wasn't exactly trusting of authority before. But now any organization beginning with the letters UN, I, I just that I mean, I think they are so outrageously corrupt. They've been disgraceful. The Red Cross has disgraced itself. Um, if we can't rely on these people, I mean the, the the failure of the UN to, you know, immediately 
you know, uh, criticize uh, Hamas, uh, the failure of the, there was, I don't know if you saw, there was footage the other day of some UN women's representative who was asked about the rape and sexual assault of the Jewish women on October the 7th. I mean, I mean, oh, absolutely dreadful reaction. I was just, I thought, how can you sit there and come out with this? We have inquiries into da, da, da. And you, I think we'll all have images that will always stay with us. And for me, the um, the image of the young woman, Shani, uh, the German Israeli girl, on the back of that open truck, basically almost naked, her leg, I mean, they'd obviously broken her pelvis or something. Somebody wrote to me and said they'd slashed her tendons, which is what they do to animals. Um, and I, you know, I would have no doubt that she had been raped and assaulted and them just spitting on her and resting their boots on her beautiful young body. I'll never ever find something in me changed when I saw that image and, uh, I want those people dead. All the men around her, I want them taken out and shot. I don't care about human rights. I deplore them, their disgusting treatment to take her and parade her for beasts to spit on her. Ugh. So so that so I think we all have our we'll all have our particular reactions, won't we? Yeah, so I mean just to um conclude because we haven't got that much time left I wanted to ask you about how and if we can begin to turn things around in in Britain what that might look like do you feel the October declaration has made a big impact and and what more do you think we need to begin to build on that I think that I mean I'd like to think so I I I think it's been very poignant and quite sad that on the march on Sunday, lots of Jewish people were coming up and saying thank you, you know, very, very grateful for what really seems to me quite a small thing to have done. But I do think, as you say, I think that march was full of fellowship. I think it was people came up, Telegraph readers, Planet Normal listeners, the podcast I do, they'd come from Manchester, they'd come from Birmingham. They were good people, Jake. They just they said, I'm not religious or I'm not you know, not even particularly pro-Israel. I just want to stand here. And I think a lot of people just wanted to stand there and say, we're not going to have this happen in our country. So I think if we can build on that, I think that was a very, very positive march. We are British Friends of Israel. We're we're organising something in um, in January, just a kind of, not a vigil, but a, an evening of poetry and music. Um, I think, you know, just to, just to carry on spread it, spreading this message. I mean, it, it will inevitably happen that the the focus will move away, won't it, from Gaza? I don't know how long you think the the war will go on. My strong sense is that Israel's doing very well. Um, I know we're not supposed to say that, but I think they've been remarkably effective, and hopefully, it could be um, you know resolved within a few months and when i spoke to the israeli ambassador she spoke about a marshall plan for gaza yeah. uh you know major investment hopefully pulling in arab neighbors putting billions and billions of pounds into gaza reconstructing it and focusing on the education of children so they are just not filled with you know jew hatred so i program is needed denazification it, it the marshall plan after the war that you know japan did that you know it was done very successfully in japan it was clearly done 
very, very successfully in Germany. I mean, don't underestimate, it would take an enormous act of will and commitment and money. I do believe that the genius of the Jewish people is that I think they can take on these great projects. They built Israel and uh, Israel is phenomenal. And I think if the commitment was there, and then I think there's a different story to tell. The story is, we are not the natural oppressors of these people. We want to live with them as neighbors, but we cannot live with genocidal maniacs as our neighbors. We are very happy to live with a highly productive, um, you know, caring and, and good society. So I think that then would be, you know, going forward, that would be a different kind of propaganda. It would be saying, um, not that might is right, but that all the generosity you find in in the Jewish people, um, uh, but, you know, just all those all those qualities. I think um, I think that that's that that then moves to a more positive message. But but the longer the bombing goes on, obviously it becomes harder and harder, doesn't it? It does. It does. Well, uh, on the on that um, sort of uh, there's a bit of optimism there, wasn't there? A little bit. Oh no, yeah, no, no, no. I'll take that. Yes, well, we'll we'll keep thundering away, won't we? And yeah. uh, I, mean, I do get I do get asked to go, you know, speak and talk to people now, and I think that you know I'm very very willing and and and, and really happy to do that. And to I've I've dodged doing um, rather cowardly, Jake. I've dodged doing question time for a long time, but I did this Jewish event the other day um, with the National Jewish Assembly, and all, they all said, "Please, will you go on question time?" And I thought. Only for you guys, I will do it. But uh... well, I, I, I did it a few weeks ago, and uh, all I can say is, good luck. You'll be, you'll be, you'll handle it. If I can handle it, you can handle it. I, I think it's a bit like the intellectual. I'm a celebrity. Get get me out of here. But you're <laughs> in a tank with conger eels, aren't you? Really? Um, but no, I actually, I think I don't know what you think. I think the the ambassador Zip has done a. You know, she's absolutely formidable on these. She sits there on the Channel 4 News being assailed by these, you know, mm. Palestinians. And uh, and I think your uh, Israel spokespeople, Mark Regev, I think is tremendous. Um, the guy, I can't remember, the, the amazingly clever guy with the black hey, ring. Elon, hey, Elon oh. Levy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he smites all foes, doesn't he? He's like... <laughs> Uh, so I think that you know I think I think we've got a, we've got a lot of good people on our team. That's my yeah. feeling. Our side has got some some great some great people. So, Alison, um, well, thank you for thank you for being one of them and such a powerful member of the team. My pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. This this will be out later today, and it'll be on on YouTube as well, so people can watch it there if they would like to. Okay. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. You've been listening to the Israel War Briefing from the Jewish Chronicle with me, Jake Wallace-Simons. Join us next time for more insight and analysis from leading experts.